Welcome to the Mixtape, a podcast that delves into all things music. Join host Mia Esperanza as she takes you on a journey through the world of sound and rhythm, exploring the latest trends, classic favorites, and hidden gems in the music industry. From rock and roll to country and blues, from pop to classical, Mia will share her passion for music with you and give you a new appreciation for the art that moves us. So sit back, turn up the volume, let's get ready to rock. This is the Mixtape. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Mixtape. My name is Mia Esperanza, and I'm your host. Today, we are going to pick right back where we left off in our first episode, and we are going to continue talking about the man, the myth, the legend, Elvis Presley. So sit back, relax, and we're going to jump right back into where we were. He was at a career low in the mid-1960s. He struggled to produce hits and felt overshadowed by the Beatles and other rock and roll bands that crept up on the scene after Elvis. And in 1968, he signed a contract with NBC for a television special, which is now known as the iconic 68 comeback special. And he was extremely hesitant about the special. And I think when it came to his comeback in kind of a full circle perspective, I think Elvis was hesitant about a lot of things in the mid-1960s. You've got to think about struggling with who you are as a person, who you are both as an individual, like inward and outward, because those are two very different things. So the show that you're putting on for your audience and then who Elvis is as a person, I think he was just really in this kind of constant battle so that he was a little bit gun-shy when it came to a comeback. But it was his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, who convinced him to do it. The idea was to remind people of Elvis in the early days and kind of harness that raw energy that made him into the rock star that he was. Elvis was adamant that he wanted to perform live. He did not want to lip-sync and he felt that his performances had become way too predictable, way too polished, and it just lacked the spontaneity of who Elvis was in the beginning, pre-military, and what made him so popular in the first place among his fans. And I think too, when it came to his career as a whole, this was such a turning point and such a comeback for Elvis in the fact that I feel like he found himself again. The movie does a really good job of showing how much he butt heads with Colonel Tom Parker at this point. And Elvis made it very clear who he wanted to be for his fans and what kind of setting he wanted to be in when it came to being a rock star again. And so I think it was really this comeback special that gave him his confidence back and it became increasingly iconic and it was divided into two parts and the first part featured Elvis in a small really intimate setting and performed acoustic versions of his early hits including Hound Dog and Heartbreak Hotel and the second part was a full band performance and Elvis came out 
dressed in his now iconic black leather suit. And he sang classics like blue suede shoes and all shook up to a live studio audience. And this comeback special was named the comeback special for a reason. It was a huge success and it attracted 42% of the TV audience and just revitalized his career. And so when I say 42% of the TV audience, I don't think a lot of people can grasp the enormity of that number. And it's not like television today, guys. A lot of people did not have access to TV. And so for 42% of TV viewership to be on one special, I just think that's an insane kind of statistic to grasp around. And it really goes to show that Elvis, he never left. He never left the building. He was here, he was back, and he was gonna be a force to be reckoned with. This comeback special showcased his ability to sing and dance without censorship and connected to his audience in a way that he just had not been able to do in years. It was considering a turning point for him because it really marked his return to rock and roll and it was a departure from the cheesy movie soundtracks and this kind of family-friendly version that they just continued to try and prop up. He never really fit into that role that they were trying to create for him. So the 68 comeback special is not only considered a landmark moment in Elvis's career, but in the history of television, rock and roll, and pop culture itself. It paved the way for future music specials and helped solidify Elvis's status again as the king of rock and roll. And I don't think that if he would have kind of bowed down and continued to perpetuate this image that just was not Elvis, it was not the rebel that we knew, it was not the dancing that we knew, and it wasn't the charisma that we were familiar with at that point. I think if he would have continued on that kind of straight and narrow, good old American boy that so many people wanted him to be, Elvis probably wouldn't remain the king of rock and roll like he is today. I think it's that rebellious nature and just that desire to not fit into the box that people are trying to put you into is what really solidified his status as the king. Now, outside of music, Elvis was known as an amazing person and he had so many charitable efforts through his time and his career. He was not only an influential musician, but a major philanthropist who used his fame and fortune to give back to his community constantly. He was never okay with accumulating wealth just for himself. And he made it so clear that his mission and his desire was to make a positive impact on other people's lives. Another significant contribution that Elvis made was to St. Jude's Children's Hospital, which is dedicated to treating and finding a cure for childhood cancer. In the 1960s, Elvis made a substantial donation to the hospital and continued to support its cause by participating in fundraisers and charity events. Elvis was also involved in other charitable initiatives, including the March of Dimes, which works to improve the health of mothers and babies, and the Starkey Hearing Foundation, which provides hearing aids to people in need. Of course, 
he had the monetary contributions, but Elvis often visited hospitals and other charitable organizations to just lift the spirits of people and offer his support. He donated many of his personal belongings, such as cars and jewelry, to be auctioned off for charity, and ultimately just had such a big heart. All the stories that you hear of Elvis outside of sort of his rock star persona are always so positive. Later on in the podcast series, you guys will learn about Skull's Rainbow Room and the owner and that entire venue located in Nashville, but Elvis even had interactions with the owner of that bar and it is just so clear that Elvis as a person was so beloved outside of the fact that he was an iconic musician. He was just so giving to everybody that he loved and anybody that he cared about. And he made it so clear through gifts and spending time with people and just really taking care of people and making sure that he was there to put smiles on people's faces. And I think when it comes to the recent release of the Elvis movie, I think that you can kind of see his heart portrayed pretty well in that movie as well, but you can kind of see how that lends itself to him getting taken advantage of. He had so many relationships and so many people that he was close to. Elvis's closest friends and advisors became known as the Memphis Mafia and were a tight-knit group of associates who ended up playing a significant role in the king's life. The group consisted of around 30 members, but there was about a core group of 12 or so people who ended up being particularly close and tight-knit with Elvis. It was formed in the mid-1950s, this group was, when Elvis was really beginning to gain that national attention and national recognition. And the original members of the group were high school friends from Memphis. As he became more successful, more members were added to the group and the Memphis Mafia just continued to grow. They served as his bodyguards, his drivers, his personal assistants, and some people say even his therapist because he was able to just vent to his friends because they were always there and they were always around with him. They traveled with him everywhere he went and were responsible for handling as many of his personal and professional affairs as they possibly could. So it was just his posse and his personal assistants and his friends rolled up into one big mix. They were also tasked with protecting Elvis from crazy fans, crazy paparazzi, and just the chaoticness of what comes with being a rock star on the road. The Memphis Mafia was known for their loyalty to Elvis and their willingness to do literally anything to protect him. But they were also known for their wild antics and rowdy behavior, which often got them into trouble, which is just beyond on-brand for the king of rock and roll to have a rowdy set of groupies. However, Elvis valued their friendship so much and their loyalty to the point where he saw them as a direct extension of him and his family. Just as much as they were willing to protect Elvis, he was willing to protect them. The Memphis Mafia played such a significant role in Elvis's life, 
both professionally and personally because they helped him negotiate contracts, handled his finances, and appeared in some of his movies. They were there for him during some of the most difficult moments of his life, including the death of his mother, Gladys. And he loved his mother so very much, and she was just absolutely devastated when he got sent into the service that a lot of people kind of point to Elvis being sent into the service and the downturn of his mother's health and say that there's a major correlation between the two and the death of his mother affected him so much because he was truly a mama's boy and he was willing to do anything for his family and anything for his mother. One of the sweetest things that he did was he bought her a pink Cadillac and when it comes to music history, that purchase is something that's iconic and talked to, talked about a lot to the point that this podcast was very nearly named the Pink Cadillac after Elvis's mother's Cadillac. These close relationships and specifically the one with the Memphis Mafia and Elvis, it had its downsides. Some of the Memphis Mafia were known for their enabling behavior and their willingness to indulge Elvis's every whim. He was human. He did dabble in the rock star life and was surrounded by booze, women, drugs, and everything that comes with the Hollywood music scene to the point where he had this tight-knit group of friends and they loved him to the point where sometimes they just wouldn't tell him no and they would let him do whatever he wanted. And because of this, it seriously contributed to his struggles with addiction and poor health towards the end of his life. But the relationship that Elvis probably cherished the most and was very open about was his close relationship with his mother Gladys. Gladys was deeply religious and instilled in Elvis a sense of faith and that love for gospel music that we talked about a little bit earlier, that would stay with him for the rest of his life and give him a pillar to really lean on. Elvis was beyond attached to his mother and would often seek her guidance and support even as an adult. I mean, anyone who's really close with their parents or their mother can relate to that. I am 23 years old and call my mom every single day, sometimes for the most mundane things, just to let her know I'm going to the grocery store or ask how to do a certain load of laundry. I don't know, I'm perfectly capable of laundry by the way, I don't want that to to be mixed up, but it's just little things. Like I love to talk to my mom and I love to talk to my parents and I think if Elvis was able to have a cell phone, he would be talking to his mom all the time. Gladys's relationship with her son was particularly strong because Elvis was a surviving twin. He actually had a twin brother and his twin brother was named Jesse Presley and he was stillborn before Elvis was born and that loss just really deeply affected his mother. She often spoke about her belief that Jesse would have been the more gifted of the two and this sentiment may have contributed to her close relationship with Elvis. Elvis was beyond aware 
of the fact that he had a twin brother, and he was said to have kind of felt this sense of loss and longing for him throughout his life. I know a few sets of twins, and they are beyond close. And the whole sense of twin telepathy and knowing when your twin's in trouble or when your twin is feeling down about something and having that larger-than-life genetic connection. I can't imagine losing your twin and then never being able to enjoy them throughout your entire life. So he often referred to Jesse, his twin, in his music and even wore a symbol of a twin on a chain around his neck as a tribute to his late brother. The loss of his twin brother and the strong bond that he shared with his mother seriously shaped Elvis's character as a person and I think really added on to his giving nature and it contributed to his sense of isolation and longing as an individual because I think that Elvis pretty consistently in his personal life was really trying to find where he fit in in the world and losing his brother, leaning on his mother so much, and then later losing her, I think that that can make you feel really lost. And I think that Elvis was constantly searching for something to fill that kind of void that he was left with. As he grew older and his fame increased, Elvis's relationship with his mother remained a constant source of comfort and stability that he was looking for and that he needed when it came to being a rock star. After her death, Elvis was just so devastated, and her passing just affected him both personally and professionally in his career. So we're going to kind of go over some of the more interesting facts about Elvis that don't directly lie in the music scene. So obviously, the king of rock and roll, he was human. Just like all of us, he had plenty of passions, and aside from his love of music and performing, he had a major fascination with martial arts and karate films. In fact, he was so enamored with martial arts that he ended up earning a black belt in karate and ended up incorporating karate moves into his live performances. That little bit is just so funny to me because I can't imagine present day watching someone on stage incorporate karate moves into their performance, let alone watching Elvis Presley with the day, with the way that he danced initially anyway. It's just, it's hard to understand how that might end up intertwining with each other. But Presley first became interested in karate when he was stationed in Germany during his military service. While he was there, he ended up meeting a fellow so soldier who was a black belt and he ended up taking lessons. It wasn't long before he ended up being hooked on the art and he continued to study it even after his military service ended. But it wasn't just practicing karate that he enjoyed, he also loved the films. He was known to have watched films such as Enter the Dragon and The Karate Kid so many times that he even had a private screening room for them. And then on top of that, he even went in to star. And on top of that, he even went on to star in karate-themed movies himself. But outside of this kind of healthy lifestyle that martial arts would create, 
Elvis had a love for fast food and he was notorious for fried peanut butter and banana sandwiches that everyone talks about. And I think it's so funny because this is something that has long standing been something talked about with Elvis. I mean, you even see it, if you've seen Lilo and Stitch, you've seen the fried peanut butter and banana sandwich reference so many times, but it is hotly debated if he actually ate stuff like that. So uh, something interesting to think about for sure. Something also really interesting when you think about Elvis, immediately you're gonna end up thinking about his look. And something that I found that was shocking, but not shocking at the time, is that his look ended up being cultivated by him dyeing his hair with black shoe polish. But as he got older, this was something that started presumably around his uh, younger years, pre-teens, teenage years. As he got older, he ended up finally switching over to actual hair dye. And it is noted that he might have used something called Black Velvet and Meek Brown by Paramount. And he thought that the raven type of color in his hair made him look edgier when he was under the spotlight. Something also really interesting about Elvis was that he wasn't just an actor, he was in, oh. Something also really interesting about Elvis was that he wasn't just a singer and performer that we all know, but he, was also an actor. He was iconic in the movie scene and he was in over 30 movies. Not all of them were karate themed, but he was in definitely a lot of them. And something increasingly more interesting was that he almost played Tony in West Side Story. And Elvis was actually beyond interested in doing that role. But once again, Colonel Tom Parker ended up pumping the brakes and controlling what he thought would be the right film for Elvis to star in. And talking about Tom Parker, something very frustrating from kind of a public relations and marketing standpoint is that Elvis never, not once, performed outside of North America because of the fact that, or because of the speculation that Colonel Parker was more than likely an illegal Dutch immigrant. It is thought that he probably wouldn't be allowed back into the United States if he was able to travel overseas. So although 40 or so percent of Elvis's music sales came from outside of the United States, he never performed on foreign ground. So there are so many things that you can learn about Elvis and his life, but Something that I want to talk about is his legacy and the creation of what I really believe is the first rock star. And we're going to talk a little bit about the most recent Elvis movie here because I think that it does a really good job in telling the story, talking about Elvis, talking about how he got hooked up with Colonel Tom Parker, and really exploring how he was taken advantage of monetarily from that side of his management. But what I do think the movie does a bad job in doing is that I think it gives Colonel Tom Parker way more credit than he deserves as kind of being this 
sort of public relations marketing mastermind when realistically I just don't agree. Whereas I think that he lent a hand in creating kind of a consumeristic culture surrounding the brand that was Elvis by doing things like the bobbleheads and the foam fingers and everything that wasn't really done at that time when it came to a musician. But I think overall the movie really painted him as just such a genius when it came to marketing and branding Elvis. When realistically, I think Elvis was an icon for a multitude of reasons. But one of the biggest reasons that I think he was so iconic was the pure perfect storm that had to have happened in order to create Elvis at that specific moment in time. So if you think back a little bit to Elvis's early years and where he really got his start, he spent a lot of time in the African-American church and was really exposed to their culture and their style of music and their style of gospel music at an early age. And Elvis was on a high rise to fame during the peak of the civil rights movement. And so having a sound that was heavily inspired by the African-American community could create this sort of tension but curiosity for an audience that was not regularly exposed to that kind of music. And so when you think of that in itself, it really lends a unique way of approaching the situation and kind of viewing how people became so curious and so obsessed with Elvis. I call Elvis the first real rock star because when you think of a rock star, what do you really think of? You think of screaming fans, girls just clamoring to get to them, and just a pure amount of chaos and sex appeal. When you think about the 1950s, you know sex appeal was not allowed. So much so that Elvis had prison threats because of the fact that he would wiggle in a certain way that was way too suggestive, supposedly, for the time period. So with this kind of awakening with sex appeal and kind of leaning into being a handsome young man, he unleashed kind of this demographic of these young women, about 18 to 25 year olds, that to this day, that demographic controls the pop culture phenomenon across the world. They just have the buying power when it comes to pop culture and music. And really this crowd was stirred up right around the beginning of Elvis. You see it a little bit when Frank Sinatra was really on the scene. They were all clamoring for old blue eyes when it came to Frank Sinatra. But even then, it just was not on the same level as Elvis because of the fact that Elvis had that sex appeal during a time where sex and anything of that nature was just beyond taboo. So all of these different kind of levels of curiosity would spark what I think the phenomenon is that was Elvis. And it just really lent a hand to in my opinion, the creation of the first true rock star. 
And while I think the movie does a really good job of cultivating the mania with the fans and the inspiration from the civil rights movement and the interaction of the African-American church and the gospel music and all of that that it had such a big impact on Elvis and his style. I think the movie really just gave Colonel Tom Parker way too much credit because in my opinion, I think Elvis as a whole, it really came down to perfect time, perfect place, perfect person for the job, and ultimately just a perfect storm to kind of launch him into this rock and roll legacy. But overall, I think Austin Butler was a fabulous version of Elvis. To embody the character well, I think that is it's a very hard task, so hats off to him for being able to do that. But if you have not seen the new Elvis movie, I highly recommend it. Uh, actually, you guys should go watch it when you get a chance and come back. Let me know what you guys thought about the movie and if you can kind of see where I'm coming from on that front and let me know what you thought about their rendition of the story of Elvis. But with that being said, that brings us to the end of our inaugural episodes of the mixtape where we explored the life, the legacy, and some crazy things about, in my opinion, one of the greatest musicians of all time. I hope that this episode has given you a new perspective on Elvis, his music, and the impact on the world of music that he had. From his early days in Memphis to his legendary performances in Las Vegas, Elvis remains an icon of rock and roll and rebellion, and his music continues to inspire new generations of fans around the globe. I wanted to thank you guys so much for joining me today, and I wanted to let you know that as time goes on and I get increasingly more comfortable with talking to myself alone in a room with a microphone, that I totally plan on revisiting these earlier episodes and adding input from you guys and kind of adding to the discussion, just not on Elvis, but on other things as well. So if there's something that you know about Elvis or stories that you may have heard, don't forget to go to miasmixtape.com. There is a contact form that you guys can fill out and you can send me anything from guest recommendations to music venue recommendations, or if you just wanna stop by and say, hey, fill that out for me and join the community. But also on that website, if you go to miasmixtape.com, you can follow our blog, follow all of our socials, subscribe to us on all podcast platforms, and even shop our merch. So if you guys would do that, that would be great. And I hope to see you guys next time or talk to you guys next time on The Mixtape. And that's a wrap on another episode of The Mixtape. We hope you've enjoyed the ride and discovered some new tunes along the way. Don't forget to follow us on all our socials to stay updated on future episodes and join in on the conversation. Until next time, keep the music playing and never stop rocking.